Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Appalachian Intelligence. Your hosts, as always, Justin Kaiser. Ryan Ratliff. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Um, We've got a great episode for you today. We hope you enjoyed the last one, uh, just like we hope you enjoy all of them. Um, We have a fun, we have fun, we have a really great time doing this you know it's a it's turned into a a hobby for us it's a good time to sit down and have great conversation uh before we get started into the topic and explaining what our topic is going to be uh today on this episode just want to remind you guys that you can follow us on our socials all of our socials will be uh in the show notes so you can check those out subscribe to our youtube channel um if you do like the content that you're hearing we have a support the show link in the show notes. You can donate whatever you want to donate. Uh, you know, we're not out. We're not doing this looking for money, looking for anything like that. But, you know, it's it's not cheap. Nothing that we're doing here is cheap. So, um, you know, good content costs a little bit of money. So if you do like what you hear and, and you would like to donate, the support the show link is there. Um Again, we want to thank our last guest, Maverick Matthews, for coming on. We had a great conversation with him. He's a great guy. We hope you guys enjoyed him. Uh, but today, today we're getting into a a topic that uh, we've been really, really interested about. And and the more it's one of those things that the more you look into it, the more you'll find. Um, and today we're looking at murders, missing people, and mysteries along the Appalachian Trail. Um. So, Ryan, how do you feel about today's episode? Uh, I'm very interested in this subject. There's uh, quite a few local incidents we're ready to talk mm-hmm. about. I think we're more excited about that. And again, folks, uh, I want to reiterate on what Justin said. We're not in this. We're not trying to be famous or make money or anything like that. But we pay for airtime, uh, upgrading equipment so we can get our sound quality better. We, You know what? we do aspire to turn this into something big because we crave, we, we look forward every time to record. Like we were talking about it today. I think we're going to try and record like twice this week, right? Because yeah. it's been so long, hopefully with another guest, I'm going to name drop in case it doesn't happen, but you know, 
Uh, he knows who he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like anything. If you set out to do something, you know, you, you want to make the most of it. You want to see how far you can take it and, and how much. And we just want to have great conversations. And again, before we get into this too deep, if you have a personal story, please, 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 please contact us. Send us your story to our email at AppalachianIntelligence at gmail.com. Send those stories in. If you want to come on the show and tell your story, let us know. We'll set it up. We're we're doing these things through Zoom. Um, You can come on. You can tell your story and, you know, get it out there. Um, You know, that's what we want this to be is a platform for people to come on, to be able to share their stories, to be able to share their experiences. And it doesn't matter what the story is. If it's a, you know, a paranormal experience, a, a, a cryptid encounter, um, you know, a, a spiritual awakening of sorts, you know, any, any kind of research or, or theory that you find interesting, any topic that you've spent a lot of time on, you know, just hit us up, hit us up. We're always looking to have conversations with people that know more about things than we do. Because, you know, I, I, I'm no expert in any field. You know, I love having great conversation. I love different topics. I love the weird. I love theories. You know, I, we, we just like to hear from people. We like to have those conversations, regardless of what it is. Just hit us up and let us know. Yeah, and that's part of what Appalachian Intelligence it's about because you know the intelligence part is taught our ultimate goal was to have people on here anyway we both agreed that we wanted to have guests we wanted to talk to people who know more about these things than we do and whether they're right or not whether we're right or not you know we're still going to say it whatever if we (laughs) believe we're right and they believe they're right and you have a story that you would like to Man, we will Zoom you. We will bring you here in person. Like, we're not going to fly you from anywhere, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Again, that's what we're Zoom's working for. working men with families. That's Yeah, <laughs> that's what Zoom's for. That's what Technology's Zoom's great. For. Yeah. We might right, pick you up like 10 minutes down the road. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. We could do that. That's pushing it. That's pushing it. <laughs> All right, so we'll dive right into this thing. Um, you know, we're talking about the Appalachian Trail. And the Appalachian Trail is, first off, it's way bigger than what I thought it was coming into the, to this <laughs> research. It's 2,192 miles spanning from Georgia to Maine, okay? So this thing, th- this trail runs through 14 states, 14 different states. Um, and going through these states, the, the length of the trail, it goes through six national parks eight national forests and that makes up 47 percent of the trail is through national parks and national yeah mark that one down if you're taking notes mark that one down for later on so it's running through 47 percent of the of the trail is national parks and national forests um i think ryan just gave a stat i mean go how many people was that a year ryan that that uh it's two to three million people per year that walk on the trail on some part of the trail uh the i think they call them the um let's see the through hikers that's the people that try to start in georgia go all the way to maine or vice versa 
And uh, there's about eight to 900 people per year that try to do that. That's uh, it's pretty crazy. And for our friends up in the north and, uh, well, anybody not in America that uses the metric system, that's 3,500 clicks from Georgia to Maine, the trailway. That's yeah. 14 states. It goes through 14 states. So it's, it's a really long, really long trail. Really long trail. And, uh, you know, when we got into this, and, and this topic actually kind of came by request um, from a couple listeners, you know, that were interested in this topic. And we're, you know, we're really not true crime guys. I mean, you know, I, I like listening to the, the, uh, I watch forensic files. Yeah. I mean, I, I like hearing about it sometimes, but the thing That's about the true crime. Story. With me, yeah. The thing about true crime with me personally is it's so much negative. You know, the details are so grisly. Yeah. If you surround it, and this is just me personally, you know, if you enjoy this stuff, that's great. That's fine. You yeah. get your entertainment wherever you want it. We're not knocking it. No, but for me personally, we're the cryptid you, dudes. We're the we're the paranormal cryptid dudes. I mean, that's just let's face yeah. it, Justin. Conspiracy that's who we are. theory. That's this who we are. Most, I'm mostly describing Justin right now. But well, uh, yeah. Conspiracy but theories. That's you. But but it's who we are. You know, conspiracy theories, the paranormal. And and this episode is gonna kind of be a three-part kind of deal. You're gonna get a little bit of true crime. You're gonna get some theories that are out there, and you're gonna get hopefully a little bit of paranormal. A little bit of paranormal. <laughs> so um first we'll start with the true crime side of and, and back on to what i was saying about that you know just me personally i feel like if you surround yourself with so much negativity um so much of these grisly details so much death and destruction and and all this stuff all the time it it kind of becomes a part of you if, if that makes sense i'm a firm believer in what goes in comes out so you know, I'm not like, again, I'm not bashing anybody if this is because I listen to true crime podcasts too, you know, about people that I find interesting, but it's for me, it's more about the psychology standpoint of that, you know, what happened throughout these people's lives that they decided the best option for them was to start taking the lives of other people. And sometimes not even doing that, but, but doing just terrible, terrible, the most evil things in the world that you can imagine. You know, what drives a person to that? So for me, it's more about the psychology standpoint, you know, not so much the 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 details of because, yeah. you know, we, we, we have to remember, you know, these people, they're people, they're human beings. They have families. They have, you know, th they had a legacy that just ended, you know. So when we do talk about these accounts that we're getting ready to talk about, we are in no way, shape or form doing this to glorify these these sociopaths these the, these killers we're not doing it to glorify them by any means at all no, but i feel like if we want to talk we're not trying to give them a platform it's just it's a subject a lot of people are into and yeah. you know what this goes back like you and i were discussing i listen to i don't believe in ghosts and all that but i love uh Creepy pasta stories from Reddit. Uh, I love those guys that tell those stories, like uh, No Sleep Podcast, The Gray Rooms. I, 
I love those horror stories, but they don't affect me in that way. Yeah. Like you, it's terrible things they're describing in these books, but those are my favorite types of books or stories. And it doesn't affect me because I don't believe in any of it, you know, but with that being said, true crime is real. It is a lot of negative going into you. So, you know, that's another thing. If you're kind of feeling, if you listen to a lot of that stuff, a lot of negative things and say you're out of a job because of COVID or you've been at home a lot because of COVID, let's, maybe you should start listening to more positive stuff because we like to keep <laughs> it around. We need our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Our listener out there. I think there's one. <laughs> we've got we've, we've got a couple now we've got a we've couple got a, yeah we, we, we've uh we're graduating folks uh, we're in over 30 countries right yeah yeah we've had downloads in 33 countries i believe um to almost 300 cities i think now um so we're moving on up it's all right people Slowly are but surely we tell people you people are starting to tune stop. in hey for <laughs> For a couple of uh, podunk hillbillies from southwestern Virginia, for our voices and our guests' voices to be heard in over thirty countries, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, to me, that's that's amazing. That's, yeah, um, it is. And this is just one of those things that, um, you know, like I said, we really enjoyed this. This is a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun. I we you know we're gonna do some more in person podcasts also. So that's yeah. coming up. Yeah. Uh, Cause uh, this zoom thing, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot more fun to react in the moment rather than worried. You're going to step on somebody over zoom, you know, especially oh, yeah. with guests and things like that. But anywho, Justin, where do you want to start? We're going to start with the true crime part of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll dive in with the true crime part. Um, there have been, like I said, there've been, 13 murders. I don't know. Maybe I said that already. I don't know if I did or not. But anyway, there have been 13 documented murders along the Appalachian Trail from 1975 or excuse me, from 1974 till the present day. Um, So if you think about that, you know, if you think about those millions of people that Ryan just mentioned that hike that AT every year. 13 murders in the span of while they are terrible. That's yeah. It's really good statistics. That's not bad statistics, but we'll also get into, yeah, we'll also get into a little bit of that later on too. Um, But we're not, we're not going to go into all of these murders. You know, they're all equally important in all these people's lives. You know, they, they mattered, you know, their legacies mattered, what they were doing mattered, but just to kind of stay true to our show, even though this is the Appalachian Trail, you know, where we are in Southwest and far Southwest Virginia, it is the heart of Appalachia. Um, and a couple of these have occurred, you know, really, really, really close to home for us. Um, so the first one we're going to talk about is 1981. Robert Mountford Jr. and Laura Susan Ramsey. Um, these two were, they, they were both 27 years old and they were social workers hiking the Appalachian Trail to raise money for troubled adolescents in Maine. Um, they were tragically murdered by Randall Lee Smith while staying at the Wapiti Shelter. 
Their bodies were found days later, and that Wapiti shelter is in Virginia. It's it's more along it's it's Western Virginia. Um, their bodies were found days later with knife and gunshot wounds buried under the dirt in the brush in their sleeping bags. Smith was charged with two counts of second-degree murder and served 15 years of a 30-year sentence before being released for good behavior on mandatory parole, which I think is insane. That's insane right off the yeah. bat. That the dude served 15 years for murdering two people. The brutally. Here's, here's the crazy brutally. thing. Brutally. Later, you know, he went, okay, this guy, we'll, we'll dig into this one just a little bit. I wasn't going to go real deep into this guy, but I'm pretty sure that this guy, if I'm not mistaken, graduated from Giles High School. Um, that's Giles County, Virginia. Uh, and it's a it's a school, you know, it, it's not really, really close, but it's close enough that we played this team. Like if we went to like regional playoffs or, or state playoffs, rather, we played this team. So, you know, it, it's close enough to our in, in our region that, you know, we played them a couple times in, in a few different sports. So this guy. Um, By the he way, was, looks like somebody's grandfather. It, yeah. You checking him out. Yeah. Like, well, it didn't look like Robert was much of a fighter. That 1970s mustache screams lover. <laughs> yeah. Not to speak ill of the dead. It's just, you know. Yeah. For sure. But this guy, Randall Lee Smith, this guy is. Wow. He, uh, the crazy thing about him is he, he, he did go to prison. He served 15 years and was released on good behavior for mandatory parole or, you know, on mandatory parole. But here's the terrible thing. Okay. In 2008, all right. Scott Johnston and Sean Farmer were camping near the Wapiti shelter. Remember, that's where Randall Lee Smith killed those two people. Yes. Fisherman Scott Johnson and Sean Farmer met Randall Smith, who said his name was Ricky Williams, and invited him to join them for dinner. Little did they know they were they were dining with the man who had killed Robert Mountford Jr. and Susan Ramsey in the same area in 1981. The three shared dinner and conversed for hours. As the night stretched on, Smith hung around, even though he'd mentioned his camp was over an hour away. At 8.30 p.m., Smith finally said he was leaving. A moment later, he began firing shots at the two men. Miraculously, both men were injured but escaped together and survived. Smith went back to prison and has since deceived. He's died while in prison. So you have a guy who kills two people, okay? I don't know or understand what kind of deal that this guy made. I have no idea how he only served 15 years after killing two people. But then not long after he gets back out, he goes to the same area and tries to kill two more people. Yeah. And see on the, on the first count, they were trying to give all these excuses. I don't know if yours says this, but trying to say uh let's see they're trying to blame mental illness uh 
Well, that's the thing you're going to see with a lot of these a lot of these guys is mental illness. And I'm not saying that they weren't mentally ill. But regardless, if somebody is is if somebody is mentally ill or not, you kill two people. There's consequences of that act of those actions. I mean, I don't see how you can take somebody who you know what he's capable of. And in 15 years, unless this guy just showed some outstanding or played the game to perfection to be released that early on good behavior, regardless of what they have going on, that's why we have long-term psychiatric institutes. That's why we have you know, these things in place, because regardless of what they've got going on, if they're a menace to society, they can't be in society. You know, exactly. If they're a danger to everybody around them. So when they're trying to, they're trying to claim mental illness, but let, let's talk. I'm not going to go into the details of how he killed these people because it was pretty brutal. And I just want to say stuff like that. But anyway, they met Ramsey, Susan, and Mumford were at a store along the trail, and Smith was there. Mm-hmm. He became infatuated, even though he's inexperienced with women. He was a virgin. Became infatuated with Susan, attempted to flirt with her, and was interrupted by Mumford. Mumford? Mumford? I'm not sure. Uh, followed them back to the camp. Not only that, he made ev- efforts to conceal evidence of the murders. He traveled along the trail to remove their names from logbooks where they had stopped. Yeah. That's so not tells me illness. That is uh, on a whim murder. And now you're trying to cover it up so you don't get in trouble. He obviously knew what he did was wrong. Well, and and from probably those same sources that you're looking at right now, I'd also read that this guy spent a lot of time on these trails, you know, interacting with with different people and hikers coming through, and and was not always very friendly. You know, was constantly. Uh, berating hikers over littering and, and leaving trash. And, you know, he was just kind of this, this awkward, you know, really awkward guy. And like you said, he became infatuated with this woman and Mountford shut it down. And that just, I guess that drove him to a point that, you know, he decided, okay, well, I'm going to kill him. So for me, just like you said, if he is in his, if he's in the state of mind to where he did what he did, he knows he did what he did. He goes and gets guest log books from where these hikers come through and kind of sign their names off, you know, to say you just kind of connect with each other or whatever they do. If he's doing all these things, that's calculated. He knows what he's doing. That's calculated decision-making. That doesn't that doesn't scream mental illness to me. And and another thing, how would he know which direction they were coming from? You know, even if he had come up to the store and seen them walking from a direction, that didn't mean that they didn't pass the store, turn around and decide, hey, I'm gonna go back. How did he know where they were? Well, it sounds to me like he followed their names out of the logbook. That sounds to me like he followed them. It sounds to me like he'd been watching them for, you know, a while. He knew that. He knew their, their names were going to be in the logbooks. He knew they were going to be at this store. 
He knew where they were going to be camping out at afterwards. So, I mean, to me, it sounds calculated. It sounds premeditated. Yeah. But, you know, that's just me. I'm not the justice system, obviously. And, and you know, for those of you that are going to talk about uh, why wouldn't you carry a weapon, I'd carry a gun if I was going to do this. However, if you were going to be walking through 14 states, probably not the best idea to pack a weapon from Georgia, Tennessee, West Virginia, Virginia, or wherever else you are and start crossing state lines. Exactly. That's the main so, thing. I mean, yes, knives. Uh, hatchets, things like that. Nobody's going to say anything about that, but firearms are different. That's, um, and obviously these people were just out to, you know, do some hiking. They weren't thinking about anything like this. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, I'm sure that, that people do carry and carry weapons, but it's just like you said, you have to look at, you have to look at the laws for each state. You know, if you're crossing into a different state line, what are the laws in those states? You know, it, it differentiates. It's there's so much difference there. You know, it would be, uh, it would be a risk, actually, to to pack a firearm if you're planning on going state to state to state, because you know, you never know. And, and well, the next story that we're getting into kind of. That's a little part of it. Uh, You got any more details about that one you want to share with us? That's pretty much it. Just the guy was crazy, and I absolutely believe he knew what he was doing. I agree 100%. And 15 years was pitiful. Pitiful. That's a a pitiful I'm I'm very disappointed in you, Virginia. Being my home state, I didn't. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you said it earlier. Oh yeah, I'm, I've been hey, disappointed. I've been disappointed in Virginia for a lot of years, man. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Whatever. It's whatever. Okay, so the next one that we're going to be talking about, um, this was in this was in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a guy by the name of Scott Lilly. He was the. the I read your mind and I was already on that one. Good, good. I'm glad. I was was sitting right there. I got his picture pulled out, poor guy. That's great. Then you're exactly where we need to be. Um, This happened at the Cow Camp Gap Shelter in Virginia. Um, On August the 12th, 2011, a group of weekend hikers came across the body of Scott Lilly near the Cow Camp Gap Shelter on the Appalachian Trail. Lilly was a 30 year old SOBO hiker who began his journey in Maryland and was planning to end at Springer Mountain. He was last seen and heard from on July 31st after climbing the priest in Nelson County. Lily's cause of death was labeled a homicide caused by asphyxia by suffocation. His belongings were missing, although the FBI did not say they believed robbery was the motive. Lily's death remains a mystery today. So, this one there nobody's ever been nobody's ever been found or, or or charged um i don't know i don't know leads wise if they have any leads um but this one remains completely unsolved to this day uh you know of course there's there's different theories and stuff out there and and there's a couple of them that i've looked into uh you know with a couple other a couple of these guys that 
have been active and, and kind of on the trail and did some gnarly things, you know, around the same time frame. And by around the same time frame, I'm talking like 10 to 20 years. But it obviously hasn't been enough to to really get a, a suspect and, and especially charge anybody else with it. Yeah. But this one just made me think about a lot of the other ones. You know, this one is documented. But like I was telling you before we started recording, I started doing more digging, more digging, and more digging. And you wouldn't believe the articles that came up and that I was reading about how many people are found dead along the Appalachian Trail. Not saying that they were murdered, you know, not, you know, no foul play suspected in that, but. You know, just um, this guy was an experienced hiker. You know, he spent a lot of time hiking and in the woods and mountain climbing and doing this, doing that. Uh, he was, you know, late 30s, mid 40s and found at the bottom of a 30 foot embankment uh, deceased. Hmm. You know, could it have been an accident? Well, yeah, of course. You know, accidents happen all the time, you know, especially if you decide to to enter into the wilderness and, and mountain climb and do these things, you know, the, the, and alone. yeah, alone, the environment can get you. I mean, the weather climate, you know, there's so many, so many different things that can, can jump up and get you. But, um, there were so many articles, dude, that, you know, nobody labeled as homicide, nobody labeled, you know, nobody suspected foul play, <clears throat> but deaths nonetheless. Yeah. And there will be another little theory that I get into later on that kind of ties into all that stuff. But you got any, inf in, in, oh, excuse me, any information on this guy? Just a huge civil war buff. Uh, that was his, one of the things he wanted to do was go to, all the different Civil War battlefields. Uh, his nickname, his trail nickname was Stonewall, after Stonewall Jackson. Um, let's see. Wow. He climbed the priest. Nelson County, Virginia, 4,063-foot mountain. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. I think that's that's what he would, or that's where he was last seen was climbing the priest and Ryan for, for those of y'all watching and listening, you know, those of you in our audience out there, Ryan is our in episode researcher, just so you know, I've got the bullet points. I've got the notes. I've got the, you know, hit real quick to open up conversation, but Ryan is the in episode researcher. That's his specialty. It's, it's like his personal little recon mission. Yeah. I like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I do read this stuff beforehand. Like I went over all these things, but um, I like having it right here during the episode. So if you see me look away, that's what I'm doing. But yeah. Uh, well, of course, our podcast listeners won't see me look away, but <laughs> they can they can picture it. They can picture just picture my <laughs> eyes turning. Well, to you, it would look like I'm looking to the right because I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next one we're getting into, and for me, this one is the 
I'm not going to say the saddest or, or the most tragic because they are all tragic. Yeah. Um, and by last one, I mean the last um, murder In our <clears throat> that we're going to be getting into in our area. Like I said, they, there have been 13 documented that have happened from Georgia to Maine, you know, as far as the Appalachian Trail covers. Um, but this one actually happened in Wythe County, Virginia, which is, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, right next door to where we live, but it's, it's really close. Um, and for me, what makes this one so, so bad is because I, I, I looked into a lot of the life. I can't say the life, the, the time frame that the victim was going through at the time of his death. And for me, you know, all death is tragic, of course, but this guy, Ronald Sanchez Jr. Was a 43 year old um, army vet. He had spent 16 years in the army and had served three combat tours in Iraq. Um, after returning to the States, my notes here says after returning to the States, he embraced his love for nature and took on the Appalachian trail, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. Um, this guy, upon returning back from the States, he was honorably discharged with terrible, terrible, terrible knee and shoulder injuries from his combat, you know, from, for fighting for our country in Iraq. Um, when he got back, he was suffering from, severe severe ptsd depression anxiety you know had a lot going on and and rightfully so yes um and his i can't remember if it, if it was his wife or girlfriend I, it was his partner you know in interviews afterwards um she was of course just devastated but in talking about ronald um, you know, she, of course, everybody described him as just, you know, this, this great protector helper of a guy, you know, he just, he constantly wanted to help people no matter what it was. But when he got back to the States, he, like a lot of our vets do, he had so many mental health, I hate calling them issues, but he had so much stuff going on mentally that he pretty much became a recluse. He shut himself indoors. He, he didn't want to be in society. He didn't want to really associate with people um, because of, of the damage to, to his mental state that this war had brought him. So his wife had actually talked him into, you know, trying to get out of the house and, and just doing some walking, doing something for, you know, some kind of exercise, something just to get him in motion. So that's what he did. He started walking around his community, around his neighborhood, um, you know, just constant, not constantly, but a lot of walking. Well, he decided or, or he came to realize that, you know, he really enjoyed it, you know, that it helped him physically. It helped him mentally. He was outside. He was he was getting this fresh air and the sunshine and, and you know, it was really doing good things for him. So he decided, you know what, he's going to try hiking. He's going to really start, you know, getting into hiking. So that's what he did. He started hiking these different trails, doing this, you know, a, a lot of his time. 
Um, and then he decided that he was going to be a, that he was going to do this whole thing. He was going to hike the length of the Appalachian Trail that he was starting in Georgia, going to Maine. So that's what he did. He gets into this hike. Uh, I can't remember exactly where he made it to the first time, but his knees had became such an issue and, and were bothering, they were bothering him so badly that he had contacted his partner to come and pick him up and, and just told her that, you know, hey, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't push through right now. I'm just in so much pain. So she goes and gets him. He takes a, you know, three to four week break, a rest period from this, and then hits it again, hits it again wide open. So, I mean, you could just, just from that little story right there, you can just tell the, the drive that this man has, you know, to spend 16 years, three combat tours in Iraq and to get back home and, and lose your passion for life really is, is kind of what it sounded like to me. And I, and I don't know the guy, you know, I don't know him personally, but for me, just knowing that this guy was in so much pain, you know, and I'm sure a man with 16 years in just a few more years and you can, you know, you can start locking some stuff in, in the military talking benefit wise, you know, retirement wise. Oh yeah. 16 years in to have to step away because of injury, you know, they were serious, but just to, to just to see this side of him it tells me the drive that this man has, you know, he's hurting so bad, but he's like, you know what? I, I've decided that I'm going to hike this trail and I'm doing it. I'm just going to do it slower is what he said. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to have to go a little slower. But anyway, <clears throat> back to the notes. He began his trek early in the season, figuring he'd average a slower pace than most due to, in, due to knee and shoulder injuries. By May the 10th, he'd made it to southern Virginia, where he camped alongside three other hikers in Wythe County. And to the best of my knowledge, you know, in, in reading and listening to some of these stories, that's what a lot of these hikers do. You know, they might be hiking alone, but when they decide, you know, the, uh, they meet other hikers along the way and they form little communities. You know, they set up camps, they'll camp together and, you know, do all these different things because they're sharing a common interest, a common love for hiking in the outdoors. So that's what they do. They'll set up their own little communities and, and maybe, you know, go so far together, um, which is, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool, I think. So yeah. he meets three other hikers and they decide to set up camp. On the morning of May 11th, the group encountered 30-year-old James Lewis Jordan, nicknamed Sovereign, from Yarmouth, Massachusetts. Jordan was, was later reported to have been acting unstable, alarming fellow hikers on the trail. Jordan threatened to burn Sanchez's and the others' tents. When they tried to leave, he attacked them, killing Sanchez and wounding another. Jordan is currently undergoing a psych, a, a psych evaluation and awaiting trial. That's what these notes say, but there's a little update on that too. Um, so kind of just telling the story, you know, behind the scenes about, you know, that that's just hitting it really close. Um, this guy shows up, James Jordan, trail name Sovereign. Uh, he shows up here and at first, you know, it's all cool. Everything's good. He's got this guitar. He pulls it out. He starts playing music, you know, no big deal. 
everything's fine. Well, some, some people decided, um, you know, a couple of the campers or whatever decided that they were going inside their tents. They were done. You know, they were going to take a little break or, or maybe get up to, to leave. I don't remember exactly how that went. But James Jordan told these, these hikers that he was going to pour gasoline on their tents and set them on fire with them inside. Big red flag right off the bat. Yeah. So these hikers, you know, they start getting a little, uh, you know, okay, there's something wrong with this guy. You know, we need to need to move along. Well, when they started moving along, he just, James Jordan flips out. He has a machete, I believe, machete or hatchet. You got that in your notes? Uh, just <laughs> says that there were stabs. So, okay. I'm pretty sure that, that it was a machete. And, you know, it says stabbed. I don't know if any of you guys listening have have used a machete very much, but it's not really a stabbing weapon, uh, more of a slashing weapon. Um, But, you know, they had decided, okay, you know what, we're done with this guy. He's giving us the creeps. He's, he's freaking us out a little bit, so we're leaving. And when they did that, the dude just goes crazy and starts attacking. And and the first person he attacks is Ronald Sanchez Jr. Um, it's then reports say stabs him multiple times, um, and he does succumb to his injuries and and dies. Well, one of the ladies that was there, he chases her down as as everybody else is trying to run away. The three other hikers are trying to run away, so he chases one of the ladies down, stabs her in the torso, the legs, and somewhere like like two or three different parts of the body. Somehow, I'm not really sure, the reports aren't extremely clear, the two other hikers helped this lady hike three, three or six miles, something like that, into another area to seek treatment. You know, they get there, of course, they tell them about this guy, you know, authorities are out looking for him, all these things. But here's the thing about James Jordan. He has been in and out of psych evaluations two or three different times while his trial has been going on. Like the first time they deemed him um, not mentally stable enough to undergo a trial. Then he went to a psychiatric institution for a little while and they deemed him. Um, they deemed him stable enough to undergo trial and then deemed him not fit again. Like it's been, it's just been a weird, you know, a weird thing, but here's my thing on him. And just like we were talking about, you know, not saying that this guy didn't have mental health issues, <clears throat> but this guy, there had been several, several, several accounts of different hikers saying this guy was acting weird. He had told one group of hikers that he was going to, he he didn't like their dog, that he was going to rip their dog's legs off and eat it. Um, He had been arrested in Tennessee for carrying a firearm and hikers had, you know, reported him. They came and got him, picked him up, couldn't find a firearm. But, you know, that these hikers said, you know, he keeps harassing us. He's doing this. He's doing that. So this guy had a history 
And not only did he have a history, but a social media account before he started along this Appalachian Trail. He named himself Sovereign and said that he was going on a mission to take out those that need it. He's the captain of the hit squad. Captain of the hit squad and was trying to recruit other people. So does this guy have mental health issues? You know, maybe, probably. Some of the stuff he talks about is pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. But again, are, are you are you aware of the things he talked about? Maybe not all. What do you got? So uh, he's from New England. Mm-hmm. That's where he grew up. Um, so his old friends might have recognized what was happening to them. Thirty-year-old Jordan was JJ, childish, childish and searching, damaged and vulnerable. To vulnerable to delusions. When his paranormal flared, his pupils would dilate and he would slip into what <clears throat> a close friend called the shimmer. Uh, the shimmer, a terrifying place somewhere beyond reality where the government conducted experiments and incinerated bodies. Okay. His whole life, he had evaded treatment for his mental illness. He signed himself out of hospitals, refused medication. His crimes were never serious enough to lock him up for long until April 2019. Hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely mental health issues. Oh, wait a minute. Now, he was arrested in April 2019 in Tennessee because he was slurring and stumbling and armed. But they failed to see the danger and released him. Yeah. Well, they couldn't find a firearm. Mm-hmm. The authorities never found a firearm, and the hikers that reported him, you know, they're hiking. They don't want to stick around for a trial and all and testifying in court. You know, that's not what they're there for. So they moved along. The authorities pretty much said, uh, well, you know, there's not really a danger here, and let him go. No. You know, good job, guys. Real good job. <laughs> He's got a record. I'm sure his juvenile record was sealed. Yeah, I'm sure. But, I mean, since 13 years old, he's been arrested. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like there's definitely mental health issues going on there. And I did see in the last update that he was found. I'm not sure if if it's under appeal or anything like that, but the last that I'd seen um, I think it was late in 2021. <clears throat> um, you know, and of course the courts were shut down for forever because of COVID and all these different things. So I, I, late in 2021, he was deemed, uh, or he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. So, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't know. I mean, You know, the things that are there, yeah, it sounds like there's definitely some mental health issues going on there. But, you know, it's still, it's just, it's one of those things for me. Like, regard, like this guy, like you just said, he had refused treatment his entire life. Yeah. 
He had ran away from that. That's still personal choice. Regardless. Regardless of what's going on, mental health wise, that's still personal choice. There could have been treatment. There could have been help. He chose not to. And. No matter what his mental state was at that time. Lives were lost. You know, how much potential. Well, a life was lost, a life that had risked his butt every single day for 16 years to defend the rights and the liberties of the country that we live in. And for me, it's just, it's tragic, man. It's tragic. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. And it's senseless. It that man survived several tours overseas to come back, find an escape from all that, only to run into this guy, who from the pictures looks completely like, yeah, I wouldn't arrest that. And I'd think, oh, he's fine. No, yeah, I'd tase him. I wouldn't even ask a question. I just tase him. He looks like a wild animal. Uh, he looks like every picture they have of him. He's he's doped out of his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, That's I don't. Crazy. I mean that one, and you as a military vet, you know, I'm sure that one hits at home a little bit, a little bit harder for you too. Oh, of course. That's. Uh... That's that's a that's yeah it's hard that's it hits home hard that's I know everything that guy endured for us then gets back over here and finds that yeah it's just oh man which I mean that just goes to show you you know we're we're the paranormal cryptid spiritual conspiracy theory guys. But, you know, this sh- stuff like this shows you that, you know, sometimes the most dangerous things out there to worry about is us, man. That, it's just other people. It's, it's other people. There, you, you can't predict what somebody else is going to do. I mean, no. ever. So, no. like General Mad Dog Matt has said, be loving. Be compassionate, be polite, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet. There you go. That's why, because people are completely unpredictable. Yeah. It's crazy. <sighs> All right. Well, now that we're depressed. Yeah, now true crime, we're all sad and stuff. Through the true I crime wish details. would kick in. I'd be all happy. <laughs> these things need to hurry up, man. Let's move on into a little bit of, well, I was going to say not really conspiracy, but it's totally conspiracy. And a lot of it stemmed from actually a conversation that we had with a couple guys that we work with this morning. Yeah. And and that's what led me down the path to looking at it, you know, as the day went on. We were talking to a couple guys this morning that actually hunt, you know, deer hunt 
in this area, this Wythe County, Bland County, Giles County area, you know, a whole lot of Appalachian Trail land through there. And these guys were talking about how every time they're out there hunting, that they run into these other hunters and hikers that have all these stories, you know, like tons of stories about, well, this person was murdered here and this person went missing here. And, uh, this person's never been found, you know, like a ton of stories out there. So for me, that got, got me looking, okay, well, you know, how many of these are there actually, you know, they, these we're seeing what's documented, but just like as most things, like nobody ever dies in Disney World. We'll make sure we get them outside the gates before they die, before we <laughs> proclaim them dead. It's a tourism thing, man. It's a money thing. Of course. There yeah. are stores and shops and, and all these things all along the Appalachian Trail. And that's their that's their consumer audience are yeah. these hikers. So if we have all these numbers of people going missing and, and murders and all this stuff, it's that, that two to three million a year is probably going to be knocked down quite a bit. In turn, that's going to hurt a lot of businesses. That's going to hurt a lot of state tourism money. That's going to hurt a lot of things. So that got me thinking. I can't give you a number of how many people. All I know is. I've seen a lot of articles of deaths along the Appalachian Trail. And like I said, no foul play expected in a lot of them. But what if, man, what if it, it's more of a a business model kind of thing of, okay, we got to keep our tourism numbers up instead of, so, so we can't document all this stuff unless it's just out there, cold blooded, you know, cut and dry. We can't Too hide this. Yeah, we we can't hide this. You know, how many? How many people? You know, we don't really know. Okay. We have no idea. Now, there's some seriously remote areas on the Appalachian Trail. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. That's what I think I was reading earlier. I mean, you could go days without seeing anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, days. So you're talking, I mean... Well, you know, a couple of these articles that I've read, you know, people that have been found, it has been days, you know, before anybody else came across them or got to them. So, I mean, you know, who knows? Now, there have been. I think I read a stat that said they're on average 24 people that go missing on the Appalachian trail each year. Now, most are just lost and they end up being found, you know, within a couple of days, <clears throat> but one of the most famous missing persons cases actually happens. Hold on. Let me find it. In 2013, Geraldine Largay um, was hiking the trail. She was a 66-year-old retired Air Force nurse from Tennessee who set out one summer to through-hike the AT by herself. 
She kept constant communication with her husband, meeting him at various points along the trail for resupply. One morning, she ventured off the trail in the 100-mile wilderness area for a pit stop and lost her way back. She tried to text her husband many times, but the text wouldn't send because of no cell service. After her husband didn't hear from her, he called the police who began a search. Largay survived for 23 days on her own before she passed of exposure and starvation. Her body was found three miles from where she was last seen. <clears throat> but if I'm not mistaken, her body wasn't found for quite a while. Um, so that's one of the most famous and actually one of the really the only ones that you'll ever find documented. And it was a missing person case where a body was eventually found and she had just, she had died because of being, of becoming lost and, and of the elements, which is exposure. Yeah. Which is really sad and tragic. Yeah. It's really uh, fascinating. I like, you know, I wonder what types of foods and things. <coughs> She was fine. Water. You only go what? What is it? Three days? Uh, yeah, it's just a few days. I'm, I'm thinking maybe like seven max without water. I'm thinking of around thirty to forty-five without food, something like that. But regardless, I mean, still, you find yourself lost in the wilderness. You know, you haven't packed that kind of supply because you can't carry it. I mean, that's the thing about hiking. You have to, you have to pack light enough to be able to transverse and maneuver a lot of this terrain and, and cover the ground that you want to cover within a, a certain amount of time. And we are talking about a 66 year old woman here. So, you know, I don't know her health. I don't know. I mean, obviously she was trying to do a through hike. So she had to be in, in great health. I would think. Yeah. But still, 66 years old, you know, she, she's, she wasn't a pup. I mean, she, <laughs> she had experience. So, I mean, all these things are tragic, you know, these, these things. But getting back to, um, you know, we were talking earlier about how the Appalachian Trail runs through six national parks and eight national forests. <clears throat> it got me thinking about our missing 411 episode and the research that we did on it. You know, a lot of these people that ended up going missing was from national or was inside of national parks or national forests. And we know from our research into that that the national park database that they keep for missing people. It's not very up to par. <laughs> so if this kind of falls along the same lines, again, you know, who knows how many people have been missing or, you know, have suffered tragic deaths, but just haven't really been documented properly. Man, I mean, 
we don't even get the real number on gun violence deaths, things like that in cities like Chicago where guns are supposed to be outlawed, you know. I don't know why they even have them. It's against the law, but. um, Well, that's because, you know, I mean, criminals, they always obey the law. You think somebody that's going to murder somebody else, they'd at least have decency, decency to do it with a knife if guns were illegal in your city. Yeah, I mean, a lot of drugs are illegal, too, and that's really stopped uh, people from doing drugs. So, yeah. you know. Stopped me. <laughs> but <laughs> I've never done drugs in my life, people. I'm bleeding on <laughs> a drug. But um, it's a plan. Yeah, man, we, we don't know the real number. And honestly and truly, who's to say any of these? Say, there are areas where you're going to be close to highways. You're going to be close to uh, little camps, things like that, you know, towns. Uh, what's that one town that goes through? Oh, is it Saltville? I can't remember. There's Probably a, Damascus. Uh, Damascus, and there's an awesome little uh, restaurant yeah. right there. Yep. Man, I can't remember the name of that place, but it is, if you're ever on the Appalachian Trail and you're near Damascus, Virginia, there's a little, it's the only restaurant there. So I don't know the name of it, but you'll probably end up there anyway, if that's where you're at. Yeah. It's almost, it's like right at the trailhead. Yeah. It's the trailhead. And it's also along the the Creeper Trail that they have through there too. Yes. The Creeper Trail and the Appalachian Trail run like adjacent all the way and you said something there that that struck something with me too how many you know bigger towns cities even are you know in close proximity to the appalachian trail like i know charlottesville is i know charlottesville is is really close to the appalachian trail you have a university campus there with uva yeah abingdon you have people go missing in these cities and these towns, these areas all the time, you know, I mean, a a lot of missing people, you know, how many of those could be tied to, I mean, here's my, okay. If I'm thinking, if, if I'm putting myself in a, if I'm thinking criminologically, okay. And and I, I'm not trying to give any ideas out there to anybody. So if you are of the criminal mindset and you are thinking of kidnapping, torturing, possibly killing somebody, then oh, you man, stop we're listening. We're laying down the blueprints on how then, it's then, basically you're turning Appalachian Trail into the train station, like on Yellowstone. Yeah, let's don't. Do, if 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 you're of this mindset, <laughs> just go ahead and shut this off right now. This yeah. ain't for you. <laughs> this ain't this for is you. for. Sound. This is for sound-minded people who think a lot. <laughs> if I am, if I have decided <clears throat> that I have this urge, I have this uncontrollable hunger to bring pain and suffering onto other people, and be in a location to where I have the best chance 
of not having any witnesses, not having any law enforcement be in real close proximity, that I have tons of escape routes and or hiding places. If I know these people are going to be carrying survival gear, uh, shelter, possibly weapons and firearms, um, food, water. If I know, or if I have this, this uncontrollable urge that this is what I've decided to do, what better place, man? I mean, what better place? It's isolated. There's nobody else around. No, there's nobody around. So that's my thinking is if I have decided, like I said, that I'm going to bring that, that it's my goal. It's my purpose to bring pain and suffering to other people. What better place to do that than to prey on these people that are coming through here in total isolation, maybe even hiking alone. I mean, what do these predators do anyway? They yeah. they stake out usually the weakest, most vulnerable of the population, just like you would see a predator do to a a um, a herd of gazelle, like you would see a lion do to a herd of gazelle. We find the young, the old, the weak, the injured. We find those that are trailing behind in the back, and the lions pick those off. That's the same way these these criminalistic predators think. They're going to prey on the weak. So, you know, that that happens everywhere. Yeah. But how much easier would it be in this scenario, in the middle of the wilderness, totally isolated, not many people around, you find who you think you can overpower and – it's easy. Now, look, and I'm not saying, you know, like I said, if, if this is of your mindset, don't listen to anything that I just said. I Actually, if we have any police officers listening, please give word out in Damascus. And I, was like, I don't want that restaurant being shut down. Then. <laughs> yeah, really. Please, if you're going to do it, have the decency to go to another state. Well, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to discourage anybody from getting outdoors and doing these things either, because this not is actually murdering. We're just talking about hiking. Yeah. Hiking, not murdering. <laughs> Clever. Don't We're not don't. trying to discourage you from being murdered. We're just making <laughs> jokes. We're not really going to call the cops. Don't do the murdering. Do do the hiking. <laughs> Let's hike. Don't murder. But no, man, I mean, this is actually, it's something that I would love to do one day. You know, I love to hike. I love being in the outdoors. I just, I love the the tranquility. I love the peacefulness. I love the, I love the time to, to be able to be there and just, it be me and God. Me being able to slow everything down and to have those conversations with, and, and those questions that I have and be able to sit down and and it's, and it's just me and God. Not only 
is is it me talking and asking for things and all this? It's not just a monologue, it's a dialogue. Yeah. I can speak and then I can listen. You know, so hey. this is actually one of my goals. When y'all were hanging out in the woods, uh, did he mention me? He always mentions you. <laughs> always. It just apologize. I'm so sorry. He says, Justin, just pray a little harder. Just pray he a little says, harder. Uh, he's like, this is how you know I have a sense of humor, guys. That's how you know God has a sense of humor. Ryan has a microphone, and he's speaking on a podcast. Look, he tells me that he loves you just as much as he loves anybody else, brother. Oh, gosh, yeah. Anybody then, else. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely um, the place to perfect place, things like that, you know, and that's what, yeah. unless they're like just trying to get, I guess you call it infamous, not really famous, but like one of the top serial killers, because there are people that just, that's like a goal to them. That's, <clears throat> but most people would go to an isolated area, you know, they're not trying to make a scene. They're just, um, the train station deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're so exactly right. we've gone over three murders. Mm-hmm. We've gone over the missing, missing persons cases and most of them unsolved. Yep. Uh, they just, the uh, one lady was the only one they found her body, right? Well, they found her body. Um, they found, well, what was Scott Lilly? Well, they I'm talking about body, the he was missing persons. Yeah, he was. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Usually, as far as I can tell, by what's documented, by what's out there, most people that go missing, it's for a couple of days. Somebody finds them, they're good to go. Everything. Um, actually, just recently, there was a lady. Um, hold on. Give me just a second. Da, 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 da. There was a lady by the name of Brittany Pulley. Um, she had went missing in the Shenandoah National Park, which is also in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been last report, or she had, this is terrible wording. She had last been seen hiking north on the Appalachian Trail from McCormick Gap on December 24th, 2021. So Christmas exactly Eve. Exactly how they should have written that. No, it was. It's written actually. She had been last reported, last seen. She had been last reported. That don't even make any sense. Last reported, last seen. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, the Shenandoah National Park tweeted the following on Wednesday: uh, Miss Brittany Pulley, who was reported missing, has been located and is safe. That was on January the fifth, twenty twenty-two. Man, that was a. <clears throat> so, uh, it's a good little Yeah, so you're talking uh, time to be out there. That's what you say, the twenty first? Twenty fourth. It was Christmas Eve. Till but the still. fifth. So that's seven I let almost, uh, almost two days. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Almost two days. weeks. And almost two weeks right in the middle of winter. And oh, I don't know if yeah. you remember oh, in the winter. Oh I don't know if you remember how the first of January was, but dude, it was frigid. Oh my gosh. I mean, frigid in our area. That's even farther north. Yeah, I hate that uh, we live in a place where the air hurts your face in the wintertime. Yeah. Why do I live in a place where the air hurts my face? (laughs) Yeah. 
But you know so, that was a that was a good news. But I couldn't find out a whole lot of details. Like you know, I was I was trying to see, you know, well, I was that trying to kind of hear her story. Yeah, that being fairly <clears> new, I'm sure she's recovering from that right now and figuring out. Holy crap! I'm going to go on the news. I'm going to sell this story. I'm going to make a buttload of money off of this, and because we're Americans and that's what we do, we have to exploit every little thing we can because money is the name of the game. And yeah. That's a, just ask your local politician. But <laughs> yeah, really. You know, so we've gone over the missing persons. We've gone over the murders. I know you're going to do it. You already told me you were going to do it. That's all I know. Um, let's get into the weird. Let's get into the weird. Let's get into the weird. Before we get into the weird, is this light a problem? No. When I move my head, okay. No. Look like an orb. Like you got, I think your your man cave's haunted. You got orbs flying around your head. Oh, yeah, orbs. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, they're like, wait, wait, wait. Can you see it? Like, uh, I'm going around right there. There it is. Yep. You see it? Yep. It's just a ghost chilling out right at my microphone. Yeah, right at your mic. It's trying to get on. That's our guest. Yeah. That's oh, our man. ghost guest. Speaking of ghost guests, that's pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> like Pac Man. I missed it. Speaking of ghost guests, <clears throat> a young couple was hiking on the Appalachian Trail in the southern part of Virginia when they experienced something they could not explain. While they were asleep in their tent one night, they suddenly woke up to the sound of rustling and odd noises coming from outside their tent. The man went out to investigate and managed to scare off some figures he saw lurking around. These figures were all black, couldn't see any facial features. He almost chased after them, but then decided against it. The next night, they made camp with their backs to a cliff in order to be prepared. They both slept with guns next to them, and sure enough, the figures returned. Once the man announced that they were armed, the figures retreated. The next day, the couple hustled to get out of there. They're scared to death. Around midday, they rounded a corner and saw a silhouette of a figure standing in the distance watching them from afar. They quickly were able to get off the trail and back to civilization, but the whole time, their whole trek out, they felt that they were being watched. Mm. That's a supposedly true story. Now, were this just like some creepy, uh, you know, wrong turn guys that were? That's possible, folks. We do hear a lot of banjo music in our area. Um, <laughs> I've never, in fact, been told I have a pretty mouth. <laughs> but uh, we do hear we do hear a lot of banjo music. I've, I, I, you just go to the dollar store and or Walmart, and I'm telling you, their their sister is their cousin. It's <laughs> they're they're out there, man. But in our defense, by the way, Ohio, the state of Ohio. Sorry, Ohio, you're number one for inbreeding. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> it's not in the South, so take that, America. <laughs> You other countries that listen to us, uh, if you knew what we were talking about, you'd, you'd laugh. But Put that in your stereotype and smoke it. <laughs> yeah, put that in your stereotype and smoke it. 
They talk about West Virginia too, but they claim that to be the South. Uh, that was a Union territory. It was a Union territory. I mean, that's Union the territory. entire or, uh, origin story of West Virginia. They seceded <laughs> from Virginia, yeah. who remained loyal to the South. That's, I mean, that's the origin story, bro. Yeah, craziness. All right, you ready for the next one? I'm ready, dude. Actually, uh, I have a couple too. Do you? I did. You know what? I figured I'd hit you with that. I never said a word. I was like, you know, I'm going to surprise him because he ain't going to expect that coming out of me. Look at you. Look but at I you. And I have a couple. So, and that wasn't during the podcast either. I did that before the podcast. Well, let's hear one of yours. Let's hear one of yours. We'll, we'll go We'll go back and forth on this. Okay. That's, uh, well, that's good. I just exited right out of that. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Well, hit the back button too many times because... Um, it's not going fast enough. <laughs> Impatience. Okay. So the, spanning one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world, the Appalachian Trail, is one of the most famous hikes in the U.S. It stretches from Georgia all the way to Maine, with a significant portion of the trail winding through Virginia. So uh, th- I'm pretty sure there's trail. I would have to look at that map again, but I'm pretty sure it goes like from, you know, just east of us all the way across Virginia. Correct. Yeah. It goes almost the entire length of our state. Yes. So uh, I guess that's why we're more uh, famous for Appalachian trail, even though, you know, the Appalachian range is, pretty far up there and pretty far down there. Well, the state of Virginia makes up 25% of the entirety of the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. That's 25% of 2,200 miles. Yeah. 14 states. That's crazy. Out of 14 states, Virginia has one quarter of the entirety of the trail. That's great. I did not know that. Oh, right here. Okay. Crud. So this guy is a hiker who was uh, camping on the trail in 2011 near Catawba. I was started awake in the middle of the night by footsteps and a low grumbling voice. He has a picture like one of those little shelters they have set up along the way. That's like if it's raining or something, you can put your sleeping mm-hmm. bags in there. Yeah. Okay, uh, later that evening after nightfall, the same camper saw the figure of a man creep closer to his campfire in an attempt to take his firewood. For a minute, the two beings locked eyes and the hiker noticed the man's ghostly white eyes and felt totally shaken. Later that night in his tent, his, it says in his tent, but his tent mysteriously caught on fire though luckily he awoke in time to escape how convenient a similarly jarring report you know how have you ever tried to rush out of a tent that is zipped up please if that thing is on fire just it's it's paper thin wait till it melts away and run through it it's a tent it's not a house fire there's no wood in there the tent mounts all right oh gosh i got some scrapes here (laughs) Are you serious? A tent. Just tell the story, man. Just tell the story. A similar jarring report from the 1980s 
Tales of a Father and Son who were camping saw something completely bizarre. Out of the wilderness came a human-like figure that wasn't actually human at all. Uh-oh. You hear that, Hank? Covered to head to toe in fur, this being was tall, gave off a very menacing vibe. It was menacing. With long strides, it turned into the forest, much like the mythical Bigfoot. It's not claiming that's what they saw, it's just like the mythical Bigfoot. Man. So those uh, were kind of in the same area. And that's why they were tying those two together. But uh, you know that we have managed to fit Bigfoot into almost every episode that we've ever done. Listen, if that, if that annoys you guys, that's tough because he's our homie. <laughs> uh, we're going to go find him. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a long conversation. Then we're going to go on another podcast and talk about it because, you know, he's got Sasquatch on lockdown. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's in the name, so you can't be that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was two pretty good stories, man. That was two pretty good stories. You know, I, I didn't mean for it to be two. You know, I know we were swapping, but that, it was just like tied together. So yeah, no, I get they it. They were right there, it. and it's just like, what, 20 years later? Well, I like it. I like it anyway. I'm sorry. Okay. It's 30 years later. Here's one, and I'll just read the story. Children usually make everything creepier, and that's what makes this man's tale even more frightening. By his account, he was backpacking along the Appalachian Trail with a few people when something bizarre happened. He and his group awoke one morning to find their campsite surrounded by a thick mist. As they were packing up, which we know if it was a thick mist, probably ectoplasm we learned that in the other podcast you didn't listen to that one it's our ectoplasm yeah you can learn all about ectoplasm and really lay into those those people that you you guys (laughs) don't want to miss that one as they were packing up they started to hear children's laughter coming from all around them once they were about done packing up a group of children led by one parent walked out of the mist and started to walk past the group The kids asked the backpackers where they were going, and someone responded that they were hiking the Appalachian Trail. The kids started to laugh, and one of them said, this isn't the Appalachian Trail, and kept walking. Throughout the day, the campers could hear the children giggling all around them. (laughs) Now, Now, I put that one out there because I would like to think this is a totally paranormal experience, and there's these little ghost kids all around them, you know, just giggling and and, you know, just wreaking havoc on them all day long. But an even bigger part of me <laughs> really hopes that this was just like a school field trip. And this, <laughs> this one, some psychedelics. Yeah. This one chaperone was like, look, kids, we are messing with these dudes. We're messing with them hard. So it, I was, would. Re- so it was really foggy that morning. And he just posts these kids up all around the campsite. And he's just like, you laugh. Now you laugh. Now you laugh. And then they they just like, okay, let's walk out in formation. Let's get back to where we're going. Come on. We got to hurry. It's almost lunchtime. <laughs> and they start in formation and they're just walking and they're walking and they're walking. And, and you got these kids and like, hey, where y'all going? And these guys are like, oh, you know, we're just hiking the Appalachian Trail. 
And then you got little some little smart butt kid, you know, uh, like a, a little Justin or a little Ryan in the group. It's like, <laughs> this ain't the Appalachian Trail. Y'all are lost. And then keep on walking. Just keep on walking. Like there's a bigger part of me that hopes that that's the case. I hope so too. Cause, the uh, one time in my life that I hope that this account wasn't paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. All right, man. Well, I'm glad we got into fun time. And and that's the thing. Whenever we do these episodes that are going to be a little darker, if if you will. And listen, guy, we could have put a lot of details into this episode. Like Ryan said earlier, you know, uh, these grisly details. I know some people, you know, that's what they want to hear. But again, again. Why surround yourself with the negativity? Not just that, but uh, showing you know, and I mean, there's millions to one chance this ever happened. What if one of their family members runs into this podcast and, uh, yeah. you know, and here we were describing every every detail single and they're and they're reliving that went through. Yeah, and that yeah, I know if I was that family member, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You're exactly right. So on the off chance that that may happen and to have respect for these people, for their families, um, to know that, that everything that happened was tragic. And that's, you know, the reasoning behind this, it's, it's not to, to glorify any of this. It's an information based thing. You know, it's a topic that we found interesting and we just want to share what we've found on that. And if you in want that, those details, you can do the exact same thing. I know you have Google in your hand right now. <laughs> yeah, one simple. Okay, Google. Boom. Hey, Siri. Oh, man. Boom. Oh, okay. That's right. I got headphones on. I was like, don't say, okay, Google. My phone will start talking. But no, when we do these darker episodes, and kind of getting back to what I was saying there. Just don't, whatever area it is, and and I'm going to get on a little soapbox for a minute. Whatever area it is, whether it's your entertainment, whether it's it's your music, the people that you surround yourself with, family members that you feel like you have to, um, you have to stay tied to because it's family. Anything that you have in your life that is bringing negativity that is, is, is putting you down. That is making you just feel like you're trapped or you're in a toxic situation or that you're just mentally and psychologically beat down and worn down. Get rid of that, man. Just, just get rid of that. Look for the positive, look for the good. Look for light in, I promise you, your media, all, all you're going to see is dark. In a lot of, just like our good friend Maverick said, the last episode, you look at the top 30 podcasts, it's murder, 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 murder. That's what sells. But it's so dark and the world is so dark. Yeah. And in that darkness, in that darkness, there is plenty of light if you just look for it. And if you're in the darkest places and you're looking and you can't find the light, be the light, be the light. 
just surround yourself with positivity, surround yourself with, with good, surround yourself with things that make you happy. Do, do what is necessary in your life that you can live every day being the happiest that you can be. Surround yourself with that. Sorry, I just thought that was important to say. No, that reminds me. Uh, that was what that uh, guru was saying. Oh, I just feel this dude. And he's talking to this girl, and she's talking about controlling anger and things. And he's like, uh, he's like, would you rather feel anger or would you rather feel joy? And she's like, well, joy, of course. And he goes, well, anger isn't something that happens to you. Anger is something you allow to happen. So it's your yeah. choice how you react to things. Um, and good news, everyone. My gummies are in full swing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling so kicked good. In. <laughs> kicked in. But um Well, they kicked in just in time to wrap this thing up. Yeah. It's bedtime. It's um we're Eastern Standard Time, so our yeah. West Coast homies still got a couple of hours, but yeah we're we're at 10 30 where we are yeah and hey i think this is the shortest podcast yet i think so i think you're right we're very well it's pretty close it's pretty close <laughs> i didn't realize we've been here that long <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's what i that's all i got man i just want to you know if you are out there listening and you know like i said Life is dark. The world is dark. Things are dark. Surround yourself with as much light as possible. For me, for me personally, my faith plays a huge role in that. You know, I have uh, a Lord and Savior that I can and, and that I can look to in any situation, and a like the Bible says, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Sometimes just comes over you in the, in in the darkest situations. Yeah. You know, life does suck. It's miserable. But to have peace during these things, during these times, these uncomfortable times, that's what it's, that's what it's about. Yeah. For me, anyway. Yeah, man. And that's, uh, that's a big part of uh, trying to sneak a joke in every once in a while too because you know you, you have to lighten about, it up yeah you gotta lighten it up it's all in fun it's not to be doom and gloom that's why we just kept the murders to a minimum i think you know and yeah like the missing persons thing that's that's always fascinating like did this dude just say nope i'm out <laughs> and that's what's happened you know yeah i don't know he could he could walk two miles up the appalachian trail got back out on the Road and his buddy was waiting to pick him up, you know. He just disappeared. Just gone. Gone. Never yeah. seen him again. It's possible. So That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, you know, if I ever come into a big sum of money, like I don't play lottery, but if I ever won the lottery, <laughs> I'd uh yeah. Like, well, I'm gonna go hiking. <laughs> yeah, and then somehow I ended up in Sweden. <laughs> just gone. Sweden. Sweden's cold, man. It's really well, that's cold. That's where my Swiss bank account would be. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> I can guess wire we can that. transfer it to the Caymans. They can wire that anywhere. Yeah. If you're going to the Caymans, you better transfer it because it's super expensive. Hey, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to Sweden. I'm. I'm hitting Ireland. I'm buying a castle. There you go. There you go. There's all kinds of. 
all kinds. <laughs> but yeah, Ryan's right. When we're doing these dark ones, we we're always going to lighten it up a little bit, even if it's with a little, you dark know, humor. That's funny, paranormal, dark humor, whatever. You gotta you gotta lighten it up. You gotta lighten yeah. it up. Exactly. All right, man. I look. I don't have anything else. I had I fun. Either. This has been a good uh, time. Yeah, we're going to go into the editing process, drop this whenever. Like normally we try to wait till like a Monday or Tuesday, but I figure if we're going to record this week, we can probably drop these whenever we can, and then yeah. we'll drop the net one right after that. Yes, sir. That's what we'll do. All right, guys. Again, check us out. Follow us on our socials. Uh, subscribe to, to our YouTube. Um, rate and review. Wherever you're hearing this, uh, I know a lot of podcast platforms don't even allow you to to review, which is super weird. Um, Apple Podcast does. So if you're on Apple Podcast and you're listening, make sure you rate and review. Um, we're on Spotify. We are on Spotify. We're we're almost anywhere you listen to your, your podcast. Um, so be sure to rate and review us. And again, if you like the content, there's a support the show link there. You know. If you feel the need to donate, please do that as well. Yeah, man. That's all I got. And uh, this is just to see if she actually listens all the way through. I love you, Jules. (laughs) We know what that means. We're not going to be mentioning names, but we know what that means. (laughs) All right, guys. We're out. Thanks for tuning in again. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. See y'all later.